Welcome to the Confab. I'm Eric Felton. This is where the editors and writers of the Weekly Standard get together to talk about what's in the magazine, what's in the news, and whatever else may be on our minds. Fred Barnes is here to tell us about how the Trump Republicans are facing off against the Mitch McConnell Republicans and what it means for GOP hopes. And then we'll talk with Tony Messia about whether tax reform is likely to mean tax simplification. All that coming up on the Confab. We get the Confab going in earnest with Mr. Fred Barnes, executive editor of the Weekly Standard. Fred, welcome to the Confab. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to see you. And you are writing in the Weekly Standard this week about the divide in the Republican Party. You say the Republican Party is divided into two groups these days. Mm-hmm. One, two. Who, who are these two groups? Well, the Republican Party is actually split in a lot of different ways. But the one I'm writing about is the one between all the, uh, the grassroots of the Republican Party and Trump. They love him. Who they don't love is this other other faction that is the you know sort of the business as usual Republican leaders and party officials and elected officials and all those people and and I guess some of the uh, Republicans who don't like Trump much uh, and they uh, and and they are outnumbered by the by the Trump uh, grassroots. And they've discovered this one in polls, but they've also they've also seen it in that in in one thing in particular, and that's attacks on Republican leaders uh, by a lot of mainly conservative Republicans, and and, and all the all the Republican uh, folks out there who like Trump agree with it, and you see the guy being attacked the most, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And yet, as you point out in your piece, the strange thing about this divide is that it isn't ideological. The agenda (laughs) for the Trump team and the agenda for the Republicans on Capitol Hill is basically the same agenda. It is the same agenda, but it's how it's being treated and how speedily it's being treated is the real issue. You see this criticism of... of, uh, uh, McConnell is that, oh, he's not moving fast enough. He's not getting enough judges confirmed. He's sitting on his butt, basically. And they Get off say, your butt, Mitch. <laughs> one of these, one of these uh, uh, hardcore conservative groups that attacked him said, said, you not only haven't cleaned out the swamp, saying this to Senator McConnell in a supposed letter, uh, you not only haven't cleaned out the swamp, you are the swamp. What don't they agree on? What they don't agree on is what uh, Republican leaders in Congress ought to do, particularly in the Senate. You know, it's a little easier to pass things like a health care bill in the House uh, or a budget uh, also been passed in the House, but not in the Senate yet. So the dissatisfaction is <laughs> is to, uh, aimed at at McConnell as if he he alone was the guy responsible for not getting on two occasions a bill to repeal and replace Obamacare through the Senate. Uh, I note in there that uh, <laughs> the, the President Trump uh, can't claim to have swung any votes. But uh, anyway, all these conservatives blame uh, poor old Mitch McConnell. So how are these conservatives going after Mitch McConnell? 
and accusing him of being the swamp, among other things, but also uh, saying, uh, oh, he's, he's not getting, uh, he's not, he has no sense of urgency. McConnell is doing nothing to uh, thwart the obstructionist tactics of Democrats, which have been pretty effective. And of course, Democrats, you know, with the resistance, uh, they have to oppose to the maximum. They're not divided. <laughs> well, in truth, they're not. Uh, and and they'll pay a price for this because the resistance is pretty silly. But one of the things you point out in your article is that uh, there are conservative players who are going after Mitch McConnell, trying to get his allies in the Senate unelected. <laughs> well, that's the great uh, Steve Bannon, recently fired uh, as the chief strategist at the White House by President Trump, uh, who is, he says, he's going around and he's already started going around and recruiting. Uh, you know, he says his chief goal is to get rid of um, Mitch McConnell. And one way to do this is to go around and recruit candidates in Senate races uh, against Republican incumbents. So you'll get the, the the Bannon people in, and they and they won't vote to have uh, to, uh, to have uh, the same uh, Senate majority leader. They'll get rid of Mitch McConnell. It seems like a long and and enduring strategy to uh, get rid of McConnell. But uh, but this is what he's actually doing. And has anyone pointed out to the uh, the the Bannon team? That there's currently a mere 52-47 uh, Republican advantage in the in the Senate, and that pulling up root and branch the Republican Senate would put at risk having a majority at all. Uh, well, they have been apprised, uh, been told about that, <laughs> and and you have to realize that it is more important for America, in Bannon's mind. Uh, to get rid of Mitch McConnell than it is to retain a majority in the Senate. Now, you may think that's crazed or a little uh, misguided, but uh, uh, that seems to be the view. Half misguided, (laughs) half crazed. I mean, this is a this is a very unusual fight to have some guy leave the White House so he can attack uh, the leader of Republicans in the Senate, someone in the same party. But uh, there we have it. So what happens with tax reform? What happens to Mitch McConnell if tax reform goes well? Well, if it goes well, he's going to benefit from it. I mean, it is it is the last great thing that Republicans can do, I think, in this in this first uh, two years of, of the Trump presidency. Uh, and, and it is something that Republicans like. It can have some immediate impact on the economy and so on. But what if tax reform loses? After health care is lost a couple times, uh, it would be a, a disaster, I think, for not only for Republicans, but for Mitch McConnell personally, if, if tax reform goes down. And as you pointed out, the, uh, if you lose more than two votes in the Senate, tax reform gone. So is it going to make any kind of difference on tax reform, whether Mitch McConnell um, gets rid of the filibuster or not? I think it can make a big, a big, uh, a, a big difference because uh, he can have a, a better, more attractive bill because it, would, it doesn't have to be squeezed through this thing called reconciliation, mm. which affects what's in the bill and, and really uh, uh, makes it less appealing. Uh, so... I hope he's up to doing something that Democrats will do the next time they control the Senate if he doesn't. And that's to finally get rid of the last vestige 
of the filibuster, which allows a minority to block legislation. You know, it's already been thrown out. You can't filibuster a federal judge, even a Supreme Court judge, uh, which allowed Neil Gorsuch to get through. But you can still filibuster legislation. And Democrats uh, are using that to the hilt. I mean, they filibustered the uh, the health care bill. Uh, or I should say bills, since they've come up uh, uh, several places. I mean, it allows an, uh, some conservatives think, well, it's just wonderful that we have this. It's been around a long time, and, and although it's not in the Constitution. And, conservatives and, like tradition. <laughs> yeah, they like old. <laughs> <laughs> and so they have it there. And then there are all these Senate rules and practices, you know, blue slips, which are actually little blue pieces of paper that senators get. And if, if they don't like some uh, somebody who's been picked for a judgeship, they can hold back their blue slip. Can you imagine that? It, it, it's like a lot of a, a group of little boys and girls playing some game. Then there's the thirty-hour rule. The thirty-hour rule says, "Well, gee, after you, uh, when you start d- 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 debating, as you have to, uh, a judgeship nomination." Uh, it can go 30 hours. So Democrats that help delay things now can say, well, we're going to we're going to have the full 30 hours. We're going to have it now at the stroke of a pen or a vote. Uh, McConnell could get rid of that as he could the blue slips uh, and and it would make America a better place and the judiciary more conservative. And perhaps ease the conflicts with the uh, the Trumpistas. Well, and I think it would do that. I mean, the the uh, the notion that somehow there is a a huge and important uh, divide uh, that should be retained between all the Trump grassroots people and Trump himself, and then these party uh, and elected officials. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's an artificial divide, as as you mentioned. It's not ideological. It's uh, it, it it's all uh, of of how you carry out your work, uh, and it ought to it it ought to be uh, it ought to fade into oblivion. And uh, McConnell is just the man who can ensure that that happens. Fred Barnes, thanks for joining us on the Confab. <laughs> all right, very good. Thank you. Now we welcome to the Confab Mr. Tony Messia, senior writer with the Weekly Standard, who's been writing about the tax reform effort going on Capitol Hill. Tony, how are you? I'm doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Confab. So part of this tax reform policy um, idea is not just to cut taxes, not just tax reductions, but the uh, the further idea that taxes should be simplified. This is a long-standing conservative goal. What's the idea? Sure. So this tax reform package that is making its way through Capitol Hill and that is being received, that everybody's had a chance to look at it in the last couple of weeks, there are a number of different things that it wants to accomplish, like you mentioned. Um, you know, Certainly, uh, Republicans have been out there saying, we want to lower taxes, we want to make taxes fairer, we want to be more transparent. We want to do this in a way that um, is economically sensible, that doesn't bust um, uh, the deficit. Um, you know, all kinds of different things. The other one that that um, that they focus on a lot is this idea of tax simplification. That you shouldn't have to spend hours and hours combing through your financial records, filling out forms, or you know, paying hundreds of dollars to a, a tax preparer 
um, you know, for the privilege of paying Washington a bunch of your money. Um, so I think there's a they're trying to tap into the sentiment among people across the country that the taxes are just far too complicated and that they need to simplify it. So you have Paul Ryan and uh, other Republican leaders going out there talking about how their plan will allow you to uh, allow a lot of people to fill out their taxes on a form that's the size of a postcard. That's sort of the visual image that they're projecting with a, with an idea of let's just make this simpler on everybody. And so the piece that um, um, that I wrote in the in the current Weekly Standard just sort of looks at that idea and says, is that really accurate? Is it are, are the changes they are proposing? really going to make it that much simpler for that many taxpayers. Well, the simplification idea was expressed by Donald Trump uh, in, in typical fashion where he said, H&R Block isn't going to like it, the business ramifications for tax preparation services. Um, you took the trouble to call a bunch of tax preparers and to see just how worried they are. Did, did you find them quaking in their actuarial boots? <laughs> um not at all. Not at all. They're they're not concerned about it at all. Um, you know, if you talk to uh, accountants, if you talk to tax preparers, and there are all kinds of people that that work in this. It's not just accountants. I mean, there you can basically hire anybody to do your taxes. Um, you know, H and R Block, a, a neighbor down the street, a relative who's good with numbers. But it, people I talk to, they're not worried about it at all because they're seeing that there's still going to be enough complexity in the tax code that their services are still going to be needed. It's not just a matter of, oh, I have this postcard. I'm just going to fill out this nice little postcard and, and send it in. You're still going to have to keep records of things. You know, there are all kinds of things that add complexity to the tax code, some of which people tend to like. You know, they're, they're going to keep things like the charitable deduction. They're going to keep things like the home mortgage deduction. Uh, if you have a, a side business, if you, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, lately the, the gig economy, or if you have a, it's also known as a side hustle, you know, where if you're making and some everybody money, is declaring all their income from every side <laughs> hustle, you can be sure. Well, well, that's the other thing. Well, the other argument for tax simplification is if you make it simpler, that more people will comply, that you have a lot of noncompliance because it's just so hard um, and, and so complicated. But yeah, I sh certainly there's a lot of income that doesn't get captured on tax forms, but it's still required to be. So whether you have, you know, whether you're uh, playing music at a wedding or writing a book, for example, Eric, or, you know, if you have a, a blog that maybe makes some a little bit of income or if you're writing articles freelance for other publications or something like that, just to Declare hit on some of those that everything. maybe resonate with those of us uh, in in media, uh, you know, that, that there's still you still have to account for that. You still have to account for your expenses. I mean, there, there are other forms to fill out. So the idea that you're just going to fill out a postcard really doesn't affect i mean it'll affect some people more people will probably be able to fill it out on a postcard but certainly not everybody i like that one of the things you found out from tax preparation and and online tax services is the expectation that once you start messing around with the tax code and changing it it adds so much uncertainty that you get an avalanche of business from people who are seeking some measure of reassurance and certainty in uncertain new tax code times right i mean there's this there, there is a component of if you if you make big changes to the tax code that that 
that yes, that people don't understand those immediately. And so they'll go and seek out advice and they'll, and incidentally, accountants don't always understand it initially either. And a lot of these things, it's not just, oh, well, the tax code so hasn't it's, changed. It's good in the for last people putting on years. tax code uh, conferences for accountants then. Oh, sure. There's all kinds of continuing education. And this stuff is, is an ongoing process. It's sort of, um, you know, it, it's like uh, the Constitution, right? It's a living, breathing document that, you know, that some people believe, you know, about the Constitution. But the tax code is sort of the same way. It's constantly being reinterpreted. There are rulings, you know, court rulings. There are regulatory guidelines. So, you know, it, it's always sort of in a state of, of flux. But but especially when you're introducing legislation that, that changes it, there's a period of time where, you know, not even accountants necessarily know what it means. I mean, this is written by legislators. I'm shocked. Lack of total clarity and coherence. Well, yeah, I mean, the current tax code is something like four million uh, words. Um, Every I mean, one of it, them absolutely necessary and clear. Well, right. I mean, it's very long. And even though it is so lengthy, you, there is still a big discussion of what, you know, how can you expense this or how do you account for that? So, yes, I mean, accountants and tax preparers, they, a lot of them, um, they do believe that, that there will be so much uncertainty that people will be coming to them asking them for the answers, especially, you know, when you have a lot, uh, you know, a lot at stake with your, with your taxes. Um, you know, it can be the difference between, you know, hundreds of dollars, potentially, if you mess it up, it can be, it can be a costly mistake. So they, they're thinking that, um, you know, they want, uh, they're anticipating people are going to be coming to them in, in some cases. So now in your quest to talk to people who might be affected in the business one way or another by, by tax simplification, did you find any people who make postcards? <laughs> Postcard makers, right, certainly. Uh, I mean, if there is any sort of an effect, I think it'll be so, it, it might be at kind of those lower income levels where you actually will have some people who um, who suddenly now can take the standard deduction. One of the things they're doing, they're talking about increasing the standard deduction so fewer people have to itemize, although most people already take the standard deduction. But... It, so they're at those at those lower um, at the those simpler levels, those lower levels of income. People who are now maybe paying an H and R block, you know, if and if they have no rental income, no side business, if they're just drawing a salary and it's just them, and the IRS already knows that information, then maybe the, then maybe maybe they it would be simpler um, for them. But I mean, certainly we can all conjure up all kinds of people that um, you know could benefit. And yeah, postcard makers, that's a good one. Tony Messia, thanks for joining us on the Confab. Great. Thank you. That's it for the Confab this week. Be sure to tune in to the Confab every week. Just go to iTunes or Google Play for a free subscription or go to our website, weeklystandard.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time.